those who fish, this is the Drake Cast, a voice for culture and conservation within fly fishing. He was tying feathers on a hook. I'll do a hopper with a hopper dropper with a dropper hopper. The river was like a woman. Could be a disco midge, it could be a bead head. I'm your host, Elliot Adler. This episode of the Drake Cast is brought to you by our good friends at Scott Fly Rods. Some of you may be familiar with this sound. Whoa! We all break a fly rod from time to time. Usually we tell our friends that it happened while fighting the fish of a lifetime that got away. But more often than not, it gets crunched in a car door or because you laid it down in the wrong spot and your fishing buddy took an unfortunate step. Scott fly rods are built to last a lifetime. But the folks at Scott also understand that sometimes life gets in the way. To get your hands on one of these lifetime guaranteed fly rods with one of the fastest repair shops in the business, head to your local fly shop or scottflyrod.com. All righty, on to the show. There's a certain feeling you get before you enter a new country. This is after the months of planning, the 14 plus hours of travel. This is after you've already gotten off the plane, after you've walked through the terminal and grabbed your bag. This feeling actually becomes most acute right before you enter the country, when you speak to the customs and immigration agent. Do you have all your luggage? I do. What's the purpose of your trip? Vacation. How long will you be here? Nine days. I mean, even if you aren't carrying any drugs or guns or unlaundered cash, it's still kind of nerve-wracking. Where are you staying? East End Lodge. Any cigarettes, alcohol, Thankfully for me, the customs agent seemed to thoroughly hate her job and let me through without incident. Enjoy. Thanks. Despite the fact that I was packing a super deadly Scott Meridian 8 weight and a whole grip of shrimp patterns that were on the no-fly list. Welcome to Grand Bahama, home to many, many bonefish, which in this episode, you'll have the opportunity to meet. All right, taxi by you? Uh, I think I'm looking for somebody from East End Lodge. There's my man. How you doing? Well, what was your name, Glenrick? Yeah, Glenrick. I'm Elliot. Thanks for picking me up, man. How's your day going? Pretty good, man. An hour after being picked up at the airport, I was looking over the Atlantic Ocean from the dock at East End Lodge. And it was here that I met the man who would be putting me on fish for the next week. What should I tie on there? Let me see what you got. All right, just started with the little gotcha. No, the manta shrimp. Okay. How the little manta. This is Cecil Lethan. He was born just down the street in McLeanstown and has been guiding on Grand Bahama for 20 years. Manta shrimp, I like the manta shrimp is the way to go. Just improve clench knot, that's all I'm gonna use. I mean, I could tie the loop if you want that. We just don't want to slip knot. Yeah. <laughs> and Cecil is actually one of the founding partners of East End Lodge, as is this guy. I've been coming down here since 1999. This is Rob Nair. Why'd you keep coming back? Because the flats fishing was phenomenal here. I'd fished a lot of other places in the Bahamas, and I grew up in South Florida and fished in the Florida Keys quite a bit, but there was no place other than this that was that good. Just a little timeline, 1999, you come down here and you keep coming back down here. When did you decide, like, I should probably open a lodge down here? In 2007. You know, it was kind of running through my mind, and Cecil 
and I started talking about it and it's like it's a great fishery I think one of the best in the Bahamas if not the best in the Bahamas we can get great guides and I kind of thought what you did on the land it's mostly common sense you know good food clean rooms you know polite staff we opened in December of 2009 and how many how many bonefish you think are caught by East End Lodge clients and guides each that's, year. That's a pretty big number. I don't even think I could tell you that. A lot. Cecil and Rob own the place, but I wouldn't have been there had it not been for an invite from this guy that I actually hadn't met before. Hey, how you doing, man? Bjorn Ham Elliot. Yeah, nice to meet you. Wow. Finally. Huh? <laughs> finally. You made it? And that's good. Go catch you a bonefish, like, right to right now. Yeah. This is Bjorn Stromsness. By day, he works for a biomedical company or something like that on the West Coast. But you may have run across his alter ego, which is this blog called Bonefish on the Brain. All right, let's do it. Yeah. All right, Cecil, we're in your hands. It was time to get out on the water. You excited here, Elliot? Yeah, I'm a little disoriented. It's good to be here. Today, we hunt for bonefish. Along the way, we'll learn about the east end of Grand Bahama. We'll hear a few stories about fellow fly fisher folks and their first bonefishes and really just enjoy our time in the Bahamas. So stick around. Woke up early one morning to the rising sun. It's bonefish season, and they on the run. I've got a fine bonefish foley to catch me some. See, when it comes to bonefishing, he's number one. He's bonefish foley. He's so meek and lowly. The word Bahama comes from the Spanish phrase Bahamar, meaning shallow water. And this phrase is really a description of the area, because so much of the water surrounding the Bahamas is indeed shallow. And it's in these shallow areas, also known as flats, that the bonefish tend to feed. And it's also where anglers tend to target them. Upon leaving the Lodge Marina, we headed east through some tidal creeks towards the flats abutting Grand Bahama. After only 15 minutes, Cecil killed the engine, and it was time to fish. All right, so this is rolling now? Yeah, it's all set. All right, now I'm going up in my office. Cecil rested his push pole on his shoulder and climbed to the top of the polling platform. Right now, this water's going out, so it's dropping here. It's about three quarters of the way out now. We throw around a lot of jargon in this episode, much of which I wasn't familiar with until my trip to the Bahamas. And there might be some landlocked listeners out there who aren't quite aware of the intricacies of saltwater flats fishing. For those of you who do know what's going on, pat yourself on the back. But in the meantime, let's walk through the setting, the setup, and the hook set when it comes to bone fishing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. First, the setting. Most of the time, our guide Cecil was keeping us pretty close to shore, in, say, one to four feet of water. In this particular spot, a ribbon of mangroves separated us from dry ground. Seabirds cackled from time to time, and the occasional nurse shark came into view. Cruising along. Moving on to the setup. Watching his two fish. When Cecil would see a fish, he'd try to point the angler in its direction. Pushing out about 10. If the boat is a clock, and the front of the boat is 12 o'clock, in this particular case, these two fish were to the front left of the boat. Yeah, yeah no, point your rod. 
Cecil wanted to make sure we actually saw the fish, so he'd ask the angler to point where he thought they were. Still at about 60. 60 being 60 feet, and when Cecil felt confident that the angler had seen the fish, he'd let him take a cast. Just go for it now. Yeah, just go. Keep going. Just there. Shoot it now. Shoot it. Strip, 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 yeah. Pull just a little more line off the reel. Strip. Going just a little right. Shoot. From there, Cecil would make minor adjustments to the angler's cast using verbal commands. Strip back quick. Strip quick. Strip quick. Ten feet. Bjorn and Cecil hadn't fished together before, and their communication wasn't quite synced yet. Cecil's 10 o'clock wasn't exactly the same as Bjorn's 10 o'clock. They each had their own idea of what 15 feet is. Feet to the left, one cast, don't let no more line out. Nine. One cast, drop. Don't shoot, don't shoot. Strip it. Pick it up and shoot it one cast. Just about 10 feet longer. Come left. Come. Come a little left, left, left. And in these situations, I would recommend adapting your understanding of the world to how the guide understands it. Strip, 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 yeah. Pull just a little more line off the reel. Strip. And finally, let's talk about the hook set. To get the fly to move in the most enticing way possible, Cecil would call out how to strip. Yeah, so what what size strips do you don't? Uh, I'd say five, six inch strip, okay. you know. Sounds good. And how quick? You would just like, you would just strip. If you just listen almost to the guy's voice, he almost telling you, because he's a strip. Strip, okay. or sometimes you'll hear him say, strip, strip, strip. So that means you, you want to send it much quicker. And when he thought the fish ate, he'd say, strip, strip long. And strip long really means strip set, because that's what bonefish need. Not a wimpy trout set where you lift your rod way up in the air. But sometimes it's not a bonefish that you set the hook on. A little shatty. All right. Good consolation prize. Yeah. <laughs> After a short fight, Bjorn pulled in a non-bonefish species. Being such a novice saltwater angler, I found this little fish much more amusing than Bjorn and Cecil did. Was that a snapper of some sort? It was a mohara. Mohara. It was a fly stealer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were chasing bonefish after all. We get a fish. We're down about one. Coming at you, just about 40 feet. Start casting. Go look. No, no, go to go cast straight 12 now. 12, 12, come right at you 40 feet. Stop it. Strip. Pick it up and go. You're traveling going right a bit, right, 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 and drop it. Don't shoot. Some good cast, but fish angle just didn't go for that. All right. Uh, oh. We call that one a little poggy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As Bjorn released his second non-bonefish of the day, I asked Cecil to tell us the story of his first day of guiding a client to a bonefish. I don't think I want to talk about the first one. First bonefish was a disaster. That's that's exactly what I wanted here. That's what I'm <laughs> looking for. Story of my first bonefish. It was a that was a disaster. Take out the take the guys them out for the first time. So the, I had the guy teach me, you know, how to where to go f to catch a bonefish. So, but he just take he take me just right out in the open. And my first day, the wind was blowing like 20 knots. So <laughs> that's the first place where I went to was, you know, where he teach me. 
guy look at me and he said, man, what's going on? Are we, are we crazy out here in this weather? Because the wind is blowing so strong, so they can't cast that. But then it happens to that, you know, we still went out there to catch a bonefish. After, you know, we land the fish, you know, he's pretty excited and everything like that. But, man, I think that was the most nervous time for me in my life. Just trying to get that first bonefish. Right now, it's just, to me, it's just like a walk in the park. That's the way I would feel about it. For me, bone fishing now is like, you know, I just don't talk, but I do it right now. How did you eventually feel comfortable doing it? Time. Time. You know, the more time I put into it, then I start getting more comfortable and start learning. With bone fishing, it's like just what you put into it. I see it, basically, I feel like that's what you'll get out of it. You gotta put your time in. Because it's, it's real difficult, you know, when you're trying to get someone to make the cast, because you're trying to get them to do the same thing like what you would do. If you see a fisher, then you're trying to cast at that fish. So it's hard to get them just to do exactly what you want them to do by just trying to coach them. How about the first bonefish you caught? The first bonefish I caught, you know, I was pretty excited, you know, because I never know that even a bonefish had that much power until you feel the first bonefish on the rod, you know? So you never know that the bonefish have that much power until you really hook up on one. Cause you know, you used to catching little snappers and just pull them in. You know, you get a one pound bonefish and it's still difficult to just, you know, bring him in. He's still putting up a fight. Bjorn had his own story. The year was 2008 when I first came to Grand Bahama, I heard, the Bahamas is where you need to go to catch a bonefish. And I found an independent guide. The guide was very much not what I was expecting. He had a white t-shirt on that was down to his knees, gold chain, uh, jeans, and unlaced sneakers. And meanwhile, my dad and I, who were total novices in the salt, are you know totally kitted out in yeah, the, the Columbia uh, Flats fishing shirt and quick dry pants. I'm sure they had zippers. Those are the lamest ones, and I'm sure that's what we were wearing. And we get driven out from uh, from Freeport out to McLeanstown, and we get on this skiff, and in five minutes we're drifting down this crystal clear mangrove-lined creek. I was up on the deck first, and the guide calls out, Bonefish, 60 feet. 11 o'clock, you see him. I can't see him. I say, no, I don't see him. He says, bone fish, 50 feet. 11 o'clock, you see him. No, I don't. I'm starting to get a little panicked. Again, bone fish, 40 feet. You see him. And can't make anything out. And I say, I no, no, I don't. And he says, Ray Charles could see those fish, man. I got a woman way over town. And right at that point, all of a sudden I see the fish. They stand out from the, the bottom for the first time for me. I make the cast. Uh, in my memory, it's one cast and the fish is on. Line comes screaming off the reel. I'm sure it's the biggest fish I've ever landed in my life. And it's, you know, like it's like a pound and a half bonefish. But that was my first, my first bonefish. It was, it was here in Grand Bahama Island, not that far from where we're at now. That was a decade ago, and you know, since then I've, I've really thought of few other fish besides, besides bonefish. You know, <laughs> I have a lot of stories from the rest of the day.
But before Bjorn could continue, Worry down on sea level. Come back left a bit, left a bit. Drop it now, don't shoot it on. We all spotted three bonefish hugging the bank. Just leave it, leave it. Strip. Yeah, pick it up and drop it one cast. Right, 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 and drop it. Right, drop it. Bjorn made the cast, and Cecil gave the magic words. Strip, strip on. And the line came tight. I said, man, ain't nothing to do in this. You're taking the candy from a baby. <laughs> this is how we do it. Good eye, Cecil. This is what I do. Catch fish. <laughs> Good eye, Cecil. Yes, sir. You're welcome. I'll bring your dreams to reality. This is what I do. Good job. Yeah. Not a lot of people have bad days, though. <laughs> Bad day? What is that? <laughs> I like with bonefish, pound for pound, you know, so every fish that I, you know, ever caught, bonefish is the ultimate, you know, when it comes to that power. Man, you get a one pounder and he's still fighting like. But this wasn't a mere one pounder. Bring it, let him come back to me. Let it come back down to me. Four, four, five pounds, somewhere in there. Hold him, hold him up quick, hold him quick. Cecil grabbed the leader and pulled in this silver torpedo of a fish. Its mouth was kind of pinkish and faced directly down, perfect for sucking up crabs and shrimp and the like. The small shiny scales along its body resembled a suit of armor, but like the really nice suit of armor that Sir Lancelot only wore for special occasions. The fish's eye seemed to be able to watch all three of us at the same time. With a quick flick of Cecil's releasing device, the fish swam off without ever leaving the water. Yeah, we gotta touch it. If you don't want to. Yeah. All right. Damn. This is how Thank we you, do sir. it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome, you're welcome. Still exciting for you, Cecil? What makes me excited is when I get the crimes excited. After the first bonefish of the trip was successfully caught and released, it was time to change anglers. But before we can resume the hunt for bonefish, a few words from our sponsors. As always, we have to thank the hardworking crew at Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures. Yellow Dog has a slew of destinations in the Bahamas, including East End Lodge, where putting you on bonefish is their sole mission in life. My name is Bjorn Stromsness, and I'm standing right now on the porch of East End Lodge on Grand Bahama Island. What's been going on the last few days? We've been kind of crushing the bonefish and we're having a blast. The room that I'm in is probably the most comfortable room I've been in in the Bahamas. The food is excellent. We had a conch chowder last night on top of conch fritters that was just outstanding. And the guiding has been top-notch fish after fish after fish. To book your dream bonefishing vacation, or really any fly fishing vacation for that matter, get in touch with the pros at Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures. Find them on social media at Yellow Dog Fly Fishing or online at yellowdogflyfishing.com. This episode of the Drake Cast would not have been made possible without generous support from Deli Fresh Design, a fly fishing apparel company based in the heart of Denver, Colorado. Before heading down to the Bahamas, I chased after carp on the South Platte River with Deli Fresh designer, Ross White. Hey, I'm gonna try to see if I can aggravate one of them over here. We each carried around a fly wallet designed by Deli Fresh. Yeah, so we've got a couple of different accessories. There is fly wallet, 
these are really nice for you know streamers or someone who just needs a place to keep the carp flies. When I then went down to the Bahamas, I brought this same fly wallet and actually some of the same flies to target bonefish. The soft wool dried out each of the flies and unlike a normal fly box, prevented the salt water from rusting them all to oblivion. To check out the full line of handcrafted, water-tested fly fishing apparel, find them on social media, at Deli Fresh Design. Okay, back to the bonefish. Cool, should I, should I hop up there? Yeah. yeah. No, man, you're just gonna, the whole thing is you just watch me fish, man. <laughs> That's it. That's all we're doing. Bjorn reeled in, and I hopped up on the bow of the skiff. It wasn't long before Cecil found me a fish. She let me know if you think if you could hit it, you know. Start going, start casting. You could hit that. A big one in water so shallow that its entire dorsal fin and tail were exposed. Even I could see this fish. Just leave it, leave it. Stop it, stop. Straight. Oh, he's still sitting out there. You're just a little short of him. Straight off the raw tip, but 10 feet long. Enough. Pick it up. Come, come on, left, left, left. Left, left. Shoot it. Oh, strip, strip. Yeah. Strip back quick. Yeah, strip back quick. Strip back quick. And just like that, the fish was cruising out of there at breakneck speed. I hit it a little too close to it. Yeah, just a little too close. That yeah, that's, yeah, that's what happened. It's like, yeah, where you lose sight of him. As we continued pulling across the flats, I asked Cecil how he ended up being a partner in a fly fishing lodge. Where did you grow up? In McLeanstown. From Eastern Lodge, my house is in the car, it's about a minute away. So I have a long commute to work. When did you realize that you wanted to be a guide? You know, when I saw the guides, them take the clients out and just pulling along the shoreline, I saw the, saw the clients them casting the rod, I said, man, that looks like fun. You know, and at that time I was in school. You know, so I said, man, that looked like fun. I'd like to try that some days. And right on that, you know, I just, I asked um, Walter. Walter, a veteran guide in the area who now also works for East End Lodge. He just to teach me how to, what it takes to become a guide. And how old were you when you asked him? Fif- 15, 16, somewhere in there. But what he said, you know, when he up the time, you know, he'll take me out, no problem. You know, first of all, you know, he teach me how to cast a fly rod. You know, and I learned that, you know, quick. You know, within within five to six months. To me, the fly fishing part of it, and I forget, I get that quick. I just knowing where to go to find the fish was the biggest, the most, the most problem for me. And by the time Cecil was in his early 20s, he was guiding at Deepwater Key which is a resort about a mile away from Cecil's current operation. And so you're, you're guiding. What made you want to go beyond being a guide? What pushed you to start having those conversations with Rob and like put your skin in the game and money up front to own your own place? What, what inspired you to do that? Well, I, I would say all the clients would come down. They didn't come because of the managers them there. They come down because, you know, they have a good time with the guides and they fish with the guides and they build a relationship with the guide. And while Cecil is building these relationships, guiding 200 plus days a year at Deepwater Key, he's also realized that the whole equation of how much clients were spending for a day of guiding in comparison to how much he was taking home, it was kind of stacked against him and the other guides. If you don't get a, you could get a piece of the pie, but a piece of the pie ain't, Ain't gonna get his job, you're done for you. 
to retire one day in your life because you always going to be getting a certain amount of money, but it, it would never, until you own the business, you would never be able to retire. I don't feel like you'll be able to retire unless you get, you know, that, that big piece of the pie and or own the business. Because I feel like, you know, you always on a, just a set salary. You're only getting paid enough just to keep going. And like we learned at the beginning of this episode while talking to Rob, who was actually a client of Cecil's in the past, the two of them, Rob and Cecil, got together and in 2009 opened up East End Lodge. And are you happy? Most happiest time in my life. I'm excited. All in one. I'm a happy camper right now. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Would you rather be in an office or out on the water? Out on the water, 100%. You know, that's the women Robert, you know, first formed the company. That's the one thing what I sit down and, you know, what we established, you know. I don't want to sit around. I love being out on the water too much for that. Come back here at 9 o'clock, 30 feet. Go left, right, 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 right. Drop it, don't shoot. Just drop it. Strip, strip. Pick it up and shoot it to the right. Yeah, they move. On the move. After a couple blown shots where I hadn't seen the fish until it was too late, I asked Cecil how he was able to spot the fish. Which in hindsight is a bit like asking a bird how it flies. It's just what they do. You can, I could just see the fish, the shadow. Uh, but I, yeah, I could almost see the fish. It's like, you just gotta know exactly what it is you're looking for. And you can see the little, see them moving just a bit too. You get your eyes adjusted. After the first day. The next 40 minutes on the water were a blur of commands. Drop a cat, drop a cat, drop a cat, drop a cat. Shoot it now. Right, right, right. Strip, strip, strip a little quicker, strip. Pick it up and go to the right. Pick it up and go to the right. Strip, 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 strip. Missed shots. Stop it. Pick it up, take it down. These fish are acting a little, still a little difficult. And failed hook sets. You've been beyond them. <sighs> Until finally. Go down 11. Stop casting, they're moving quick though. Go right, right, right. Keep going right. Keep moving right, keep moving right, keep moving right. Don't let no more line, but keep moving right. Right, 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 and shoot it now. 40 feet. Right, right, go back right, go back right. Put it on, right there. Strip, 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 strip long. Stop it. Strip long. Get to see it. Not too hard, not too hard. Just, just gently. There you go. And no, no, just reel any resistance. Just let him go. You Pull the rocket yeah, let him get back to the reel, let him get to the reel. Freaking awesome. You get one phone call to make. Call back home to mama and say, mama, I'm no longer a virgin. <laughs> I just lose it. <laughs> After a quick sprint from the fish that didn't take me anywhere near my backing, I pulled the leader next to the boat and released my first bonefish. All right, get down from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
For the next four days, Bjorn and I traded shots at tailors, muddling schools, mangrove crawlers, big singles, several species of snapper, and the occasional barracuda, all of which were great. But you never really forget your first time. As the late afternoon rains made their way over the east end of Grand Bahama, Bjorn, Cecil, and I motored back to the lodge. When we arrived, the other boats were docking at the same time, and one of the other anglers agreed to share the story of his first bonefish with me. So my first bonefish was here at East End Lodge this past January. Our guide, Walter, showed me how to do it with the stripping and the casting and all the good stuff. Setting the hook several times <laughs> before I finally got one. But it was a very good experience. And I'm back here now in July. Perfect. How was that take? How was that first run that that bonefish gave you? Was it surprising? Excellent. Very exciting. It The fish was hooked and so was I. It was just such a great experience. The whole gambit, being in a boat, being on the deck or waiting, everything was just great and an experience that I'll never forget. And here you are. Will and you, here I are. Will you be back again? Yes, I will. You got to catch a fish to match your brothers, right? Well, he did catch the 10-pounder. My biggest so far is about five. But yes, it'll be done. <laughs> I might have to stab him in the, in the leg first. But I'll do it. Yeah, or just <laughs> leave him out on that, that island that he left. That so island, that, yeah. Just the whole week. A conk island. So there you have it, folks. A couple of fabricated fishing tales, a Bahamian mixtape, some subpar on-the-water audio, and hopefully a warm, fuzzy feeling in your chest that makes you want to chase after one of these ghosts of the sea. But hold on to that feeling, because next week, we take a deeper look at the impact of bone fishing in the Bahamas. And I'm just going to warn you, it's not always quite as rosy as this episode was. But I hope you come back. Thanks for listening. This has been The Drake Cast.